Because when you marry yourself to a certain deal, then you're going to try to make the client fit around the deal rather than the deal fit around the client. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. On today's episode of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the CEO of Emergency Sales Tactics, Desmond Dixon. Desmond studied chemical engineering, then became a top corporate sales producer. Even though he was successful financially, Desmond was not happy. On today's episode of Smashing the Plateau, hear what Desmond did to understand his why so that he could take action that benefited his clients while driving success for his own business. Stay with us to hear all the details. Desmond shares how connecting with the right people provided multiple opportunities for his business. That's why the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Now let's welcome Desmond Dixon. Desmond has over $5 million in sales experience with personal enrollments in the thousands. He's worked in numerous industries and has brought his marketing and sales philosophy into a number of organizations. He first began his sales career in corporate, where he went from intern to one of the top sales professionals in the region. Desmond is currently building a fast-growing sales team at an international startup and a venture digital marketing agency. Now he's also starting up his new podcast, Campfire Capitalism, with two great co-hosts. Desmond, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, David. My pleasure. So you studied chemical engineering, and you went into sales really early on in your career. How did that end up happening? Oh, man. It actually all started off with me. I realized when I was in college after doing an internship with, I was doing something like NASA, Department of Defense, and, and and private contractors, that I didn't like to be in a lab. I really didn't like the impersonal characteristics of the job. So a bunch of buddies of mine approached me. They're like, hey, do you want to come knock some doors with us this summer in Texas? And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. So <laughs> I ended up uh, cutting that internship, the other internship, and, and doing door-to-door sales. And I sucked, David. Like, I failed miserably. And But I knew after getting fired <laughs> from this door-to-door sales job in Texas— that I wanted to be in sales because I was fascinated with how people connected to solve people's problems, and it consumed me. So I ended up finishing out my chemical engineering degree and applied every single day my senior year for sales positions only. Didn't even apply for one engineering job, and ended up scoring a job in Denver, Colorado. After like you know relentlessly following up with the recruiter and the, and the HR guy, they just said you know let's give this guy a chance. And I went into sales, man. And it's been, you know, a roller coaster, never, uh, you know, ever since then. Were you the outlier in your engineering class? Like, did anybody else apply for something that was radically different from an engineering job? Oh, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I was definitely the oddball in the room. I mean, I loved all my classmates. You know, we, we bonded. But, you know, I still talk to some of those guys to this today and gals. And they're all like, 
deep into process engineering. And there's no surprise from them, you know, seeing me in, in sales and entrepreneurship. So it's, it was meant to be, man. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know from my own background, st also studying chemical engineering, that the linear path and the common route is to get a job in some company doing process engineering. That's how I started. And people that studied majors that weren't directly related to a particular profession were usually jealous of those of us who had engineering degrees because we were right out of the gate. We usually had multiple job offers and they were much higher salaries than anybody else was able to get out of college. I mean, that's probably the biggest reason why I became a chemical engineer in the beginning was some guy sat next to me and he was like, hey, do you are you interested in a scholarship? And I was like, I'm all ears. And he was like, well, also, you know, chemical engineers, they get paid the most out of school. And, you know, I came from humble beginnings. And so I was like, you know, free money to get educated and then get the most money when I leave. Oh, that's a no brainer. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of how I actually, you know, chose to be a chemical engineer was because of the, you know, the lucrative economics behind it. Mm -hmm. And you got through it in school, which I don't know how many people realize that the dropout rate or at least the transfer to other major rate from engineers to something else is pretty high. Not, not that many actually make it through four years and get a degree. I assume that's still true. <laughs> yeah, I, I was almost a casualty as well, but, you know, I made it through. The last two years were, were hard when I, you know, especially when you know you're not going to become, like, being a chemical engineer to, like, go through those hard classes like chemical kinetics and reactor design and, thermo, you know, advanced thermodynamics and heat tracing and all these, you know, really complicated classes. Like, it took a lot of, like, mental toughness and, and resilience to, <laughs> to finish. But I did it because of my, my siblings and I wanted to set an example of, you know, finish what you start. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what got me through it. Well, congratulations on getting through it. And then congratulations on deciding to take the road less traveled afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did things work out in sales? Yeah. So what was crazy was my very first day, my manager calls me into his office, sits me down, shows me some plans and everything like that. And he says, you know what, Desmond, if you're not trying, like if you're not failing, you're not trying, right? Like I know you're not trying because I was so green and so new. And my mental uh, mental modeling at the time was I have nothing to lose because I knew I was sitting on this beautiful piece of paper called a degree. And I knew if I failed in sales, I could just go be a chemical engineer like my dad and you know everyone else wants me to be, right? And so I really went with like a, I have nothing to lose approach. And Simon Sinek's uh, video talking about start with why really helped me have business conversations with people, even though I wasn't even an expert in that particular industry that I was in, because I was so obsessed and consumed with how can I help this person get their desired outcome? And at the same time, how can I also make the company money? How can I create win-wins, right? And that kind of philosophy really just it compounded, man. I mean, especially with dealing with consistency of like reaching out. I mean, I started with a book of business of zero. They gave me a list of leads and they're like, you know, go, <laughs> go figure it out. And I ended up building, you know, a $300,000 book of business relatively quickly. And it really started to compound from there, man, into more, you know, into more business to, you know, understanding like the, the dynamics in the marketplace of creating like partnerships with other people, right. Who have a similar ideal clients and a lot of the stuff I've learned in my early sales career helped me actually in entrepreneurship today where, you know, even though you are alone, even in sales, you're alone a lot. You're not really alone, if that makes any kind of sense, because you are 
in this like ever flowing, you know, ecosystem of everyone, you know, like it's like a three day, like a three day game of chess. Right. So I, I found a lot of value there. That's actually what helped me was a lot of partnerships and like learning how to create win wins, you know, really being obsessed with the why of, of why my client, you know, desires her outcome. And, you know, I, re- I really reached a point once I, you know, hit my pinnacle career, my, my corporate career, where I was in the multis of millions of dollars a year and booking and revenue uh, collected. And, I, you know, I had the corporate card. I was in the, I had the car and everything. You know, I had the I had all, you know, the work, so to speak, being gay, you know, in my mid-20s. <laughs> and I had this moment sitting in my car, David, where I was like, you know what, like, Man, I worked all this, you know, I worked really hard for all of this and I wasn't happy, man. So I ended up leaving corporate. Yeah. Why not? Why weren't you happy? You you wanted to be in sales. Yeah. You left a quote unquote good job market as an engineer to be in sales. I know, right? Like, man, when I have this conversation with my, my people, they're like, wow, Desmond, like you're so complicated. Well, yeah. So like... I, <laughs> Yeah, I was in sales. I think it was a philosophy. Like, what the reason why I left really was because of a, literally my philosophy was different than my employer's philosophy, right? Like, I get the bottom line's important, but like, I truly cared about my clients, David. Like, when I say I cared, man, like, I cared. Like, I really wanted them to win. Obviously, I wanted to win too. And, you know, when you're working for a big corporate company, like the balance sheet and it's all a, it's all account numbers at, at a certain point. They don't know, like, you know, unless you're paying like millions and millions and millions of dollars, like it was too heady for me, man. So just too much, too much about the bottom line and, and, and way too little about the clients. Exactly. That's the main reason why I left. I could have easily stayed, made a ton of money and still be very comfortable to this day. But I decided to bet on myself, David, to be quite frank. I was like, yo, if I can, you know, take a $30,000 pay cut, drive across the country with only $1,200 in my bank account and dealing with identity theft and build, you know, a multi-million dollar book of business in an industry I know nothing about, I'm pretty sure I can bet on myself to, you know, do something great doing something else or doing something with, with someone else. So that was like kind of like my, what, what helped me make the decision to transition out. Mm-hmm. And Desmond, what were you selling as an employee? I was selling essentially like uh, power distribution equipment, like CapEx kind of spend stuff. So like uh, it could be uh, a project for an oil and gas refinery. Um, I had some solar clients as well. So it could be like handling supply chain solutions regarding like solar uh, solar components. I was selling to mines in, in different countries. Yeah, I was just pretty much selling like, you know, power distribution equipment and like generators, control panels, transformers, lighting. I mean, essentially anything that runs power to it. I mean, I was selling it. Got it. So it was B2B. B2B. Very B2B. And how much did your technical background help you because you're selling technical products? It gave me a little breathing room in the room, if that makes any sense. But it's like electrical and chemical are like two different areas, like of the engineering building, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I still had to learn everything from start. But I I was comfortable with the technical stuff. So I I could read drawings, like... I was willing to learn, like learning chemical engineering taught me how to like educate myself because I mean, you go through a rigorous education process. So like I knew I had the tools to figure it out because I just went through a rigorous like, you know, educational program. So it was mm-hmm. pretty, it was pretty easy for me to like pick up the similarities and, and it would, if I didn't know, David, dude, this is how honestly, like I made it. And this is why I tell young sales guys too, is like, if I didn't know an answer, I will be super honest about it. And I'll say, I will find the answer and get back to you as fast as I can. And I did. Try to do it within the same day. 
right? And that's kind of how I got by the first year was, I don't know, let me find out and I'll get back to you. Makes sense. So how long were you in that job? Three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three and a half years. And what was the trigger that caused you to leave? Oh man, I told you I was, I was in the car. I was outside their office and I just had this epiphany moment, man, of like, because I, I, when I said I was so locked in, like I was going, I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like the first person in the office, even though I didn't even have to be in the office. I could work from home. I could work anywhere I want because I'm an outside sales guy. But I was still the first one in the office, the last one to leave the office. And I, I was in this like three and a half years, just like straight grinding. And I had this moment where I was like, man, I worked all this hard. I worked so hard to get to this place of like, you know, growing up in a very, you know, very humbly, right? Didn't, you know, taking the bus to school and and all these things and, you know, struggle through engineering and, you know, start from the bottom and, and raise. And I was like, man, like this, am I supposed to be happy? I'm like, I'm supposed to feel happy, right? I'm like, people are like, people, everyone else is happy for me, right? They're like, you're crushing it. You're making all this money. You're doing all these things, right? Like you should be, you should be happy. And I was like, man, I'm not. So I decided to... At first, like, I was like, you know what? Like, I actually want to, you know, travel a little bit and move to California and do something different. And David, when I say I didn't have a plan, when I left, I didn't have a plan. I just knew that it wasn't there. And when I looked at my bosses, this sounds super bad, man. But, you know, when I was looking <laughs> at my bosses and I was like, do I want to be like those guys? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, hard no. And that was that was like the final tipping point of when I asked myself, do I want to be the people who I'm answering my answering to? And it was simply like, no, I don't want to be like them. Yeah, no, look, that's it's actually a very, very reasonable way to make this decision is to look at people who are basically ahead of you in the journey if you stay doing that in this, you know, working either in this that company or working in other companies. They're your role models. And if the role models don't speak to you, you it makes total sense to say, okay, time to do a 180 and get out. Yeah, David, I was in the middle of a two and a half million dollar deal for a very well-known, let's say, project here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And my, when I told my regional director, he couldn't believe it. Like, like he, he, he just was like, yo, you need like 24 hours to think about this. I actually just bought my ticket to Costa Rica right before I walked into his office and handed my resignation letters so I didn't have a way out, like to kind of, you know, give me that, you know, that that little nudge. But he couldn't believe it. I was walking away from, you know, all this money. Okay, so you leave the job mm -hmm. and then what? Where'd you go? Yeah, so I ended up going to uh, California, moving there. I found a place right on the beach. And it's a funny story how I found this place, but ended up traveling a little bit all around the United States and around and around the world. And I came across, I was like, okay, well, one of my roommates at the time, he was like, yo, like, I know you're good right now, but however, you're going to be in your exact same situation that you're in before you left if you don't decide to take action in your life and find something that you want to spend your time doing, like full time. And I sat with that for a bit and I started my first company, which was called Joyalistic at the time. And I was going into corporations and and the co-working spaces, and I was doing my own personal events in, in San Diego, California, and I was pretty much bringing holistic wellness and stress prevention to the marketplace, and it was pretty successful until the pandemic hit. I was in San Diego, I was just expanded to Denver at the time, and I was in the middle of setting up shop in LA and San Francisco, and I, my, my goal was to create a startup. I was going to go the tech route, 
And uh, as soon as the world closed down, no one could give massages or do acupuncture or have meditation events or any kind of events in general. And especially the corporate scene really shut down really hard. So, you know, literally March 13th, uh, business literally stopped overnight. So (laughs) that's what happened with that business. Yeah. Mm, So your first entrepreneurial venture was off to a a great start. And then Mm -hmm. circumstances beyond your control intervened. Yeah. Like, and it hurt, David. I mean, when I say I hurt it, it hurt. Like it took me two weeks to like, you know, I was really emotional about it. I cared so much about it and I was having so much fun with it. Right. So you, you were pursuing something that spoke to your why and yeah, and it disappeared. Yeah. I think it was the people and I was good at selling. So it was easy for me to like get into places and find deals and get sponsors. And it was fun, man. It was like a, it was like a game. So what did you do instead? So as I was in my two weeks of despair of like, wow, like, what am I going to do now? People reached out to me, were like, hey, man, like, I see that you're crushing it with Joylistic. Could you, like, give me some pointers? And there's actually one lady, young lady in particular, reached out to me. I was like, sure, like, I'll give you some game. So, like, didn't think of it as a business or anything. But I was just, like, sharing, like, my tips of, like, you know, how I created events and how I, like, got into these different offices and things like that. And, you know, someone else then asked me. So I'm, I'm giving them a little bit of advice. And then next thing you know, the first lady I, I helped, she ended up, you know, she's crushing it right now. Like she's in different uh, like uh, NCAA teams doing her own holistic wellness and stuff like that, which is super cool to know. And it really just kept snowballing, man. So, you know, someone else introduced me to someone. And then finally, someone connected me with the guy who's at a part of a startup. And I pretty much go in, in, into a startup and build his sales team from scratch. I think right now it's at nine people plus 12 support staff, salespeople. So I guess 21 technically. And yeah, I helped them pretty much 10X the business in a year. And, you know, more and more people kept asking. It's crazy, David. Like I haven't spent $1 on marketing. It's just a matter of networking and, you know, people saying, hey, can I introduce you to this person? I think you guys would be a good fit. And uh, doors just, you know, continue to open. And now, now I'm a sales consultant because I'm good at sales. I found my my zone of genius. I really love teaching the psychology part of the sales sales the most. I think I get the most excited when I train, you know, young minds who are not aware to, you know, be more aware of themselves and like be more aware of how customers are interacting. And uh, yeah, man, now the business is transforming again into more of a recruitment stuff. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how life works, David. Can you tell me what you see as the the sweet spot that intersects your zone of genius when it comes to psychology of sales and the mindfulness about the benefit to the customer? Because that that was what prompted you to want to leave the corporate world when you didn't see the mindfulness about the client being top of mind. How do you connect the, the two dots of sales psychology, you know, business psychology with really keeping the client's interest top of mind? That's a great question, David. I'm going to break this down like to some very fundamental truths or my <laughs> fundamental truths, which is first step is the awareness of the person who's selling, right? So just being more self-aware in terms of empathetic listening, right? Like active listening, like, like, like are you actually hearing words coming out of their mouth? Integrity, right? Like, are you honest? If you don't know the answer to something, can you... <laughs> 
say that you don't know the answer. Like so many people will fake like, you know, BS, right? Like they'll just, you know, try to beat around the bush or not be direct. And I think that that's a disservice. So just self-awareness is super important. And then number two is I literally get on my guys about this a lot. And it's being obsessed with that person getting their desired result, not you being obsessed with getting your commission check or you getting the deal, right? Because when you marry yourself to a certain deal, then you're going to try to make the client fit around the deal rather than the deal fit around the client. So like sometimes I even tell people this on sales calls, like, hey, look, I'm not attached If you do business with me, I'm just attached to you getting your desired outcome or you making progress to get your desired outcome. Now, if that's with me, great. If it's not with me, then I'm rooting for you. I'm your biggest fan, right? And using that kind of mindset and that abundance approach has led to me closing. I mean, dude, I had a close rate at some point like at like 50, 60%, right? Like just at the point, it was like one out of every two person jump on the phone with me. They're, they're, They're giving me the credit card. And a part of that was because I was just so obsessed with them getting their desired outcome, which allowed me when I revealed my solution to like make it about them getting what they want and not about me trying to sell them what I want them to buy. Does that that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a story where that took place and it wasn't clear that you were actually going to get paid for helping the client? Yeah, I'll give you a story. Actually, one of my favorite clients now, as you may know, I'm, I'm traveling right now and I was in Hawaii for, for a couple months and I was at a wedding and we're at the dance floor of this reception. And, you know, I met this, I met this lady. She was awesome. You know, we were talking and, you know, we kept, we got so deep into a conversation about what she's doing. And I just was giving her just free game, man. Like, Hey, here's the blueprint, like step one, step two, step three. Here's an interesting frame. Like, how much are you like? The first thing I, I said to her was like, well, how much are you charging? She told me her price. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you should be charging X, Y, Z, like without a doubt. And by the end of the conversation, she was like, I, I told her like, I wasn't accepting any new clients at the time, which I, I, I wasn't. And even right now I'm not. And she was like, you know what? Like, I might need to hire you. And I was so enrolled in her vision and what she was creating. And I thought that she was solving such a real world problem that I was like, you know what? Like, I want to work with you. So like, let's jump on a call and, you know, it's easy peasy, you know, one, two, three contract signed, payment made. And, you know, she's already like doubled, tripled, like, you know, she's on, you know, track to, you know, really crush it this year. So, and I, it started off with me just talking to someone on the dance floor, like on the side of the dance floor and just giving just a ton of value. Not at, like, not, not even attached to like her signing with me. Right. Because she wanted to sign with me because she's seen my knowledge and my authority and, and, you know, she wanted it. And I think that in sales, it's a two-way street. Like, even though you want someone to buy something from you, they got to want to buy it from you, right? Because if you do a high-pressure close or, you know, all these different tactics, you know, one of the most common things, David, is buyer's remorse, right? (laughs) You have 48 hours, 72 hours, someone could just say, hey, I want my money back. And you have to give it back to them according to the FCC, Right. So I try to avoid that at all costs and all my sales is, is buyer's remorse. There's nothing worse than getting an email saying I want a refund without even starting it. Yeah, that is so true. So Desmond, you've had some fascinating twists and turns in your career and really extraordinary outcomes in multiple places. What's next? Where do you dream to go? I've been really sitting on that. And, you know, I'm really sitting with the fact that I just want to provide as much impact as I humanly possibly can and not doing it from a place of, you know, I need to get paid for 
each piece of value I give, but just simply like, I just want to change as much lives as I possibly can with what I'm really good at, which is sales, revenue, growth, among some other things. It's just really just give out free value, right? Which is why I started the podcast. And I'm actually in the middle of spinning off my agency to do more on the recruitment side. And so I'm actually bringing in salespeople or people who are interested to become salespeople. And I'm teaching them myself right now. And I'm planning on essentially giving a more affordable solution to entrepreneurs who need help in sales with actual salespeople. So like more like recruiting and, and placing and things of that nature. And uh, my business partner is a, you know, de- a devs person. So maybe end up turning into a marketplace where it's a little bit more autonomous and, you know, kind of runs itself. So that's, that's, that's really my plan for the rest of the year. That and the podcast is, the, yeah, probably those two things. Sounds great. Desmond, if somebody wants to check out your podcast or access any of the resources you may have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go? Uh, for the podcast, for sure, is campfirecapitalism.com. You can find, you know, on all the streams there, social media, Campfire Capitalism. Um, in terms of for myself, you could probably find me at I am Desmond Dixon on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those platforms. Sounds great. Well, Desmond, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. Share a little bit about your journey, your insights into your own unique zone of genius. My guest today has been the CEO of Emergency Sales Tactics, Desmond Dixon. Thank you again, Desmond, for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Desmond Dixon shared how connecting with the right people provided multiple opportunities for his business. That's why the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.